Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, we're joined by Simon Blackburn, Commercial Director of Tahola, which is a company who helps hospitality and restaurant businesses to understand and structure their data better so they can make better business decisions based on fact instead of the gut. In this episode, I sat down with Simon to talk about data, leadership, the industry, the power of technology and Tahola's approach to tech and how to utilize it in a restaurant and hospitality business. Grab headphones and enjoy. It gives me great pleasure to uh, welcome you to the Hospitality Maverick, where I have a very special guest today. It's Simon from Tahola, and I can already tell you we're going to be talking about data. So welcome to the podcast, Simon. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm quite excited about today. Many people, when you say data, they almost like collapse and fall asleep. And I'm always in my career been quite excited about data if you use data in the right way and understand data, especially trying to understand data and how you can apply it to the real world activities so you make better decision as a leader. Tell us a bit about your story and uh, how you ended up in data and data in hospitality and a bit about who uh, Tahola is. I've worked in IT all of my life, all of my career. I started Tahola back in 2000 with some colleagues. We specialize in business intelligence and reporting and analytics. So that is collecting data from different systems and presenting it back to our customers quickly and easily so we can help them solve reporting and analysis problems. So that was how we started back in 2000. Our focus is the hospitality sector. We're now a business of 23 people based in Hemel Hempstead. We have a variety of different technologies that we work with from world-class BI vendors. So we work with people like IBM and Microsoft and Click, and we provide solutions to our clients to help them understand performance in their business, to help them understand what is going on and to help them understand why it's happening and what decisions they need to make. So giving them access to data quickly, easily and effectively. And this is all data you could think about. It's customer data, it's financial data, sales data, customer experience it's, data, employee yeah, engagement. every data set that we can get access to. And there are very few data sets that over the last 20 years we haven't been able to get access to. But exactly as you say, it's any data set. So we'll talk to the client about what the particular challenges that they're facing. So it could be that they need quicker and easier access to sales data. It could be they want to do basket analysis. It could be they want to do some pricing analysis, some menu analysis, so want some what-if type information. It could be financial data, so producing P&Ls and balance sheets. It could be CRM data. So they want to capture all information about customers and marketing. So it's anything. It's any data set that the customer has access to. And it's not just internal data, but it could be external data as well. So it could be information that they're getting from third parties that help them understand the state of their, their market. And they want to integrate that to benchmark themselves. So it's any data set. It is honestly anything. We always talk about the challenge of how we sell our solutions to our customers because we're not selling a packaged solution. We're not selling a piece of software that just does one thing. Our solutions can do practically anything. Therefore, we could talk to any part of the business. We could be talking to HR about payroll, HR issues, labor, 
but we could equally be talking to marketing about marketing campaigns and operations about sales and store performances. And there are many different solutions that we've delivered over the over the 20 years. It's uh, like a, a typical one customer normally would come from when we talk hospitality and restaurants. What are the typical product they would go yeah. for? It's quite unusual to start a project with a new hospitality client where that project doesn't involve point of sale data and labor data. If you can capture that sales data and we capture that data at the lowest level of granularity by which I mean the individual transaction. So the individual line that's gone through the till. So we will capture that. If we capture the labor data as well. We've got a huge amount of content then that will help the customer try and understand performance in a variety of different areas of their business and give them lots of levers to pull to be able to influence performance. So that's typically where we start. From there, further projects could go in any form of direction depending on what the objectives of the client actually are. Yeah, and that gives good sense because, you know, you're here to drive your sales and your two biggest prime costs is your labor and your food cost. And exactly. that's the things you can influence mostly throughout an organization. Most of them are set in a way if we talk about a restaurant environment. I totally agree on that. And I also guess that often they really want to try to understand their top performance point when it comes to productivity, I guess, and which hours to focusing on to actually achieve better sales, I guess. Yes, I mean, that comes out of exactly this type of scenario where you've pulled point of sale and, and labor data. Obviously, the labor scheduling systems will look at sales data as well to work out what members of staff and what types of staff do we need scheduled on any particular day at any particular shift. What we're doing is collecting that data after the event and looking at to see how did things go, what do we need to do differently? Did we have the right people on? When we're looking at today, which is supposed to be the very hottest day of July ever on yeah. record, we are looking at the weather data as well. So are our clients looking at weather data to work out how they change their stocking policy today? Because they may need fewer hot drinks, fewer hot meals, maybe more cold meals, so yeah. maybe more salads, maybe more bottles of water. Yeah, so, I, I was in the place this morning, and I think they either they had done it by gut or they knew something, but they actually have stocked their whole front with icy drinks. Yeah. And they sold really well from that. And no, hot drinks was not in the front. <laughs> No, and it's interesting if you go into the supermarkets, the supermarkets do this really, really well. When you go into the entrance of a large supermarket and the weather is going to be hot, the very first thing you see are bags of charcoal mm. and disposable barbecues. And when you walk straight into the store where they've got the fresh fruit and vegetables, it's the vegetables that you're going to put on a barbecue. They know what's going to happen, and that's all because of the data that they've captured. They know what's happened in the past, therefore they know what they need to focus on to maximize their sales opportunity. When it comes to like data and tech, I, I often have a bit of quite a maybe an aggressive view that we have been left a bit in the dark ages for many years in the industry. And you can definitely see tech and data and stuff like that is now on the agenda, especially when new new horizon concept actually start out saying, well, we're not only a restaurant business, we're also a tech business. You have like a sweet queen in the US, you have Chilangos here in the UK, uh, very progressive on data and, and tech as well. And you have many other newcomers coming out from the beginning outset saying that tech is a, a critical part of what we do. And I think we, we, we saw why tech is important because McDonald's suddenly changed direction and became a bit of a not only a property and burger business but now also a tech business buying a, a big 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 tech company up two tech companies up actually within the last six months and more to come I think is the landscape changing I think some of it is I think that we are seeing amongst our customer base, maybe as you would expect, those customers being much more data driven they understand the value of data they're not collecting it 
just because they want to. They're collecting it because they have a reason to collect it. They've got point of sale because they want to understand their business and how they can maximise the opportunities from each store or each restaurant or each pub. So we're seeing more and more companies becoming data-driven. At the same time, there are lots of operators out there that really haven't cottoned on to this idea yet that actually data is a really, really valuable asset. And it, and it isn't just us saying it, but if you look, you know, just research on data, data is being talked about now as it's the new oil in our economy. It doesn't matter what business we're in. It doesn't matter what industry we're in. Data is essential to us. You look at the growth of Amazon as an example, they will probably call themselves a tech business. They have a tech business anyway, but Amazon, where you go and buy your books and all sorts of other things as well, they're a tech business. Ocado is very similar. They're a tech business. They realize and understand the value of data and they're harnessing it and they're investing in it and they're using it to drive their businesses forwards. So we're seeing some of that with our clients. But equally, when I talk to other operators, you get slightly frustrated that they haven't really realized that this is something that they could generate more value from. They're just collecting it because it might be convenient to them don't really know why and it's sometimes difficult to express to them what value they could get from it yeah and i guess like lots of it is just reporting history data that's how the thinking is right we look at that's exactly right like for likes or you know labor costs and then we you know we we cut labor without actually knowing okay we did bad on labor last month now we're going to cut need to cut labor this month and it's a bit like you know you are having a a short short little warm and then it becomes very cold because you actually cut labor at the wrong time and because you really didn't understand your your labor in a way because it's just service decision made on gut and experience because like the year goes like this we're busy on these days we're not busy on these days but nothing is actually done on predictive analysis the reporting we talk about reporting and analysis as being two different things i think all of our customers do reporting a lot of them do analysis but it is interesting when you look at the way customers deploy information out to their teams that in actual fact what they do a lot of the time is send them static information so they'll send them a pdf or they'll send them an excel sheet with some content on it that helps them understand where they are but doesn't enable them to answer any questions so if you're a restaurant manager and you're down on your like flights you have no nothing that you can do to understand why that is the case because you have no tools in your armory to help you yet those tools exist and this is where we talk about the data-driven businesses those that are data-driven are putting tools in the hands of those people maybe not giving them everything that they could possibly need but at least giving them some tools to help them understand their business and even more so now when you start to see the younger generation coming into the industry who have grown up with the internet they don't know of a time where there was no internet and there was no facebook so they have an expectation to have data and that's going to be a i think an important next phase over the next few years as we start to deploy tools to everybody across an organization what we often see as well when we work on organization and we start to you know looking at their you know data the reportings without doing any sophisticated thing we can see there's like correlations they haven't even thought about especially yeah. labor scheduling is a is an art and science to be good at that but it's as much a science as well because you if you have data you can actually plan yourself out of most situations and I know there's always the once fire here and there, employee not showing up, you can't predict everything, but there's so much you can do through your scheduling and understanding that both from, you know, how would you plan well, but also how you actually understand, the, you know, when it's executed the data, what you need to do next year. Because nobody captured that because it's in the moment, 
oh, it's over now. There's a new day tomorrow. Yes. And there's nobody, as you say, go back and reflect on that. What can you actually do to improve? Because also as a manager, when should you have the time to reflect on that, how to improve my like for like? Because there's so much going on. So you almost need to be told, go to that toolbox, take that tool, go and use that, and let's see if that works on your like for like. That's right. What we've got to do is we need different types of tools and different types of data sets for different people within the organization. What an analyst at head office might use who looks across the entire organization across all different brands and all types of different sites and their different demographics compared to what an area manager might use who's managing maybe 10 or a dozen restaurants to the manager of the restaurant himself those tools might be different the data sets we might give them might be different in order for them to have something quick and easy that they can look at, but also be able to understand what they need to do to challenge and drive their business forward. So I think that's important that we we deliver not the same thing to everybody. Most people always start with the P&L, as you mentioned in the beginning, or yep. the, 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 the big things on the P&L. But I think when you've got control of these and mastery, there's so many other things, if you start to analyze them, how they move, different things, you can really get understanding as an organization about your business from a financial point of view, but also from a performance point of view, when you actually at your best. Because like, if you start to put the people factors in and correlate that with your business results, because I did a massive project way back in McDonald's, I was so interested what we learned when we started correlating employee experience data with with customer experience data, with actual performance data like sales, profit, and so on. Yes. We found out there was a, a little group of restaurants that was doing something the others were not doing. And that was how they developed their leaders. And thereby, they were actually 2% higher yeah. on every sale. We couldn't explain it to anything else. We had inside people, we had finance, everybody validated. That has nothing to do with weather, you know, marketing reports, and so on must be something to do with something else. And the only thing we found was the way they performance managed the manager and how they invested in training. So 2% better over a period of three years. That's something that's worth thinking about as well when you start like understand what really drives. And it could be different from business to business, as you say. Yes. What really drives your, your performance. Here it was leadership and training, which is not unusual in McDonald's. That gives the extra impact because the systems are so rigor already. Yeah, and I think you made an interesting point there about different data. The sweet spot for what we do when we look at what some of the other vendors in the market provide is we are combining different data sets together. When our clients buy a point of sale system or a labor scheduling system or CRM, they will get some reporting. We know that. That's not what we're competing against. That CRM system will probably only report on its own data set. What we're doing is we're combining data from a whole variety of different sources and putting it into one place. So a single source a governed data set that we know is accurate and true that we can put into the hands of the users that contains all of the data that they might need to make the decisions that they need. So they can see the influence of if we train our staff better and we increase our, our staff training, therefore our feedback gets better so our sales improve. You can only see that if you bring all of those data sets together into one place. If you keep them in individual silos, you will never get to that answer. So you will never necessarily see the impact of the, of the results from your investments that you're making. Yeah, and it's interesting when you start studying these things, what I've learned through the years as, as, as well, running operations, is that you start seeing stories patterns and then you go out and verify these stories and that can be things of missed opportunities from a sales point of view yes it could also be missed opportunities from you know a leadership pipeline point of view and <laughs> you, you can almost see on sales when the good managers are leaving you we did that and we've 
try to find out what is happening up to that period where they make the decision. And uh, we were a small, small cafe chain with 24 units. And we found out that we were visiting those sites less and less because they were doing okay. And suddenly we took the eye of the ball or the eye of the manager. He's doing well or she's doing well. She doesn't need the same attention. We need to focus on the one not performing. And that was like one of my biggest learning in life, you know, said that. Okay, I need to understand what it is that how do I keep consistency of these visits because everybody wants that touch point and you need to know what and individualize that journey as well from a, you know career planning and so on. And it's a bit the soft things you could really see what's happening. You can almost see sales already starting and then they make a decision about leaving because either they get bored or they they're frustrated about something they can't solve in their business and you would not you're not aware because you're not there as a their leader. So there's so many ways you can use data and see stories that they actually can improve your business. And the sorts of examples you're talking out there we're changing a manager where do we store that in data what system do we use to capture that type of information and often that type of information isn't held somewhere in a system so we have a system that we implement for our clients that allows them to capture attributes for each individual site and some of it is about convenience because it's easy for them to manage all of their sites in one place and some of it is simply about things that they don't already know elsewhere we have a, an attributes table we have a list of all of their restaurants or all of their pubs in it and they might put in the date when that pub is going to become like for like or they might put the age of a manager in because maybe that's relevant or when that manager actually joined but if it's a pub they might put in whether or not it has sky tv or not or whether it has a car park or whether it has any outside covers any attributes that could be quite useful from an analytical point of view that could help them so if we have Sky TV, what impact does that have on our sales? And then we can report our pubs by Sky TV versus no Sky TV. And essentially, then you're limited by your imagination. What does your estate look like and how do you want to measure it? So we can measure it in all sorts of different ways, things that don't already exist in systems elsewhere. So that our clients have found quite useful. And that also give you a silver bullet instead of trying to fire cannonballs when you have to make decisions because... Often the reason why we do gut decisions is that we don't know where to fire the silver bullet or we don't take the time to understand the problem deeply enough so we can just fire that one silver bullet and then we're probably going to have a bigger impact than trying 10 different things yep. where you actually put people in burnout because yep. they need to, you know, they failed again. It helps restaurant customers understand what size of unit they want when maybe they want to open another unit because we can put square footage of those sites and so we can work out sales per square foot. We had one client who wanted to put in a particular brand as a competitor yep. and wanted to track how close that competitor was to their pub because they said that having that competitor nearby actually drove their sales because they do so much marketing, which is an interesting dynamic because you might say, well, they're a competitor. Aren't they going to take sales away? Well, they're, they're a pub business. Not many people want to go and drink in one pub all night. They might go to the competitor to begin with and then come to you later. So they were actually seeing the competitor driving their sales. How do you know that? How do you get to know that beyond gut feel? If we want to prove it, well, we can prove it by capturing that type of data. So that's why we say, you know, we're limited by our imagination. Let's come up with some ideas. Let's try it. It may work. It may not work. But if we don't try it, we'll never know. Yeah, because businesses in general are just illusions. They are something that's made up in our mind. There's a business or maybe we have some units. They're physical. But in a way, the business is, you know, in our mind to the day that maybe it runs out of money and then, then it's not there anymore. It just disappears. And then new business comes into our mind. And it's like understanding the behaviors you need to create that dream alive, you know, what behaviors actually drive my flywheel, as I normally say? What interactions needs to happen around a number of interactions to push that heavy flywheel all the time to make your business generate, you know, enough cash? 
to be a profitable but a, a good business as well. And I think we we are, we are looking for human behavior as well in data more than anything else. Well, one of the things that's really important to us at the moment that's being talked about an awful lot through the data industry, if you like, is data literacy. What I think has become a realization is that everybody knows we have significantly more data than we've ever had before. We are capturing huge volumes. When we give it to people, we need them to understand it. And there is an argument to say that actually we're capturing this data, we're doing things with it, but the people we're giving it to maybe aren't as literate with data as we need them to be. The analogy that is being driven is you know, 100 years or so ago, not everybody could read. So the people that got jobs were the people who could read. We're moving into a, an era of data now, whether we like it or not data is going to be a driving factor for success in our businesses. We need people who are data literate. They need to be able to understand data. They need to be able to interact with it and make decisions based on it. So we're working on a project at the moment. We're going to be talking to our customers about data literacy, how they feel about how literate their teams are. We feel that there's a way that we can help them be more successful by educating their teams to be more literate with data. Because I think at the moment, what we've basically done is said, we've got lots of data, let's do something with it. We'll give it to people because it's good, because it's great, they'll love it. Mm. But if they don't know what to do with it, if they don't understand how to read it, then they might just ignore it. Yeah, and we I, can't afford to do that. I totally agree. I've been there myself where you, at that, that point there was reporting you sent out and you find out like they don't know how to read a P&L. Because exactly. they haven't trained them in reading a PL. I know the industry has moved on from that, but that was like maybe 10, 12 years ago. But again, also many people that joined this industry, if we talk about on restaurant level, they didn't join it to be academic focused. So they need to learn sometimes well, not, some basic skills on how to use the tools they get. They're not yeah. trained accountants, so they don't necessarily know how to read numbers. So I think the visualization tools that have appeared over the last few years, where we turn data from being a table into some form of a chart that makes sense to to a non-accountancy trained individual. That's great, but it only takes us so far. We still need to train people to understand the information that we're giving to them. So that's something that we're that we're working working on at the moment to try and build something around data literacy to help our clients embrace their data even more and get more of their teams engaged with it because we believe that it will help them be more successful. Also in the, in the way people want to work now, as you, you mentioned a bit earlier that, you know, they almost expect they can Google it, I normally call it. Like yep. They don't want to ask a manager about something. They just want to find the information they need to do their job in a way. And I think that also comes back again to the front line or the GM out there. He doesn't want to call up his area managers to have some kind of information he can forward in an email. And also they don't want to, to wait for the hierarchy to inform them. They want to manage their own situation so again data will also change the way if it's applied in the real world how you actually structure your organization you're gonna need less managers to manage numbers suddenly because suddenly you have the data by the people that really can do something about it the front line even maybe in five ten years time maybe staff they take decision a gm takes today so the decision power will move out that's that's one of my big beliefs yeah i haven't seen an example of it yet but i actually believe that's what's going to happen and we will see layer of heavily layered organization where they have a lot of area managers and ops directors and so on it's going to be less of them or they're going to have a different role the role going to be more maybe a training and support role than they sit on the numbers and share numbers and stuff like that yeah and i think you see that in other industries already yeah Banking. Where information is deployed to people relatively, if you like, low down in the hierarchy. I think that 
we are going to push data to people further down our hierarchy within the hospitality sector. We're maybe not going to give our waiting staff information that will enable them to make decisions because we probably don't want them making decisions, but we should maybe give them information that helps them be informed. How do our waiting staff know how well their restaurant is performing? Do they know? Do they care? I, I bet most of them do, but are we giving them that information? I think you're right. I think we will see this, see a change over the next few years. How are you using data in your, your own business? Uh, how are you eating your own medicine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if you ask any IT company that, they're probably worse than most of their clients. <laughs> we have a time recording system mm -hmm. for our professional services teams. Uh, so they record all of their time on projects that they work on. We review that data on a weekly basis in a, an exec meeting that we have every Tuesday. So we have a dashboard. It enables us to look at each individual member of staff, what they've been doing, their utilization, what their forecast is for the next two to three weeks. We can see what projects they've been working on. We have that data available to us. We use our own tools internally. We've just implemented a new CRM system. So we're going to be building a BI system on top of our CRM. So we can look at the performance of, for example, new incoming leads, how those leads are progressing through the sales cycle, what our sales forecast looks like, you know, our win-close rate. So, yes, we, we eat our own medicine. I'm not sure we would necessarily want to show some of the tools that we built internally to our clients because you tend to build them quite quickly and they may be not as elegant mm. uh, as those things we would build for our, for our customers. But, yes, we use them, we deploy them. We have screens on the wall for our support team that are updated on an almost minute-by-minute -minute basis so they can see what calls are coming in, from which clients, how long they've been outstanding. We do use it. Even a business of our size can't ignore the fact that we've got data and we need to take advantage of it. There's a lot happening in the industry right now, and we had a lot of conversation on the podcast about the perfect storm, you know, rising costs, the rise of uh, a workforce cliff. Technology is changing the way we work and live. A flat market, if not a bit declining, still popped up by some some events here and there by luck that keeps the, the, the industry going. And we see you know a lot of our, our colleagues disappearing from the high street. From your kind of view where where do you see the industry are now it varies by different types of operators i think we are seeing smaller emerging operators investing in technology because they're growing they need to invest in that technology to help them it helps them remain agile and flexible and it also helps them reduce their head office salary costs they don't need to invest in quite so many people Because in the past, where they would have had two or three people in finance building Excel spreadsheets all of the time, they don't need to do that anymore. They, they can have a much smaller finance department because we've automated so many functions. We've made things happen so much more quickly. We give them information that they can analyse more quickly. So I think that's one area that we're seeing. I think larger operators, it's much harder for them because when, we're, when they're talking about investing in technology typically the costs are higher because they're bigger you know there's more involved there's more people involved to try and make it work what we are seeing is more and more operators now thinking about what the business case actually is to get a return on investment from the technology that they're investing in so they want to talk to us about a particular project and then where's the return going to come from if we do this how is this going to make a difference and that's quite important and it's important for us as well we want to know that if we understand why the customer is investing in it we can probably help them make sure they get to where they want to be by making suggestions of things that we've done in the past so we're seeing we're seeing customers invest in a whole variety of different areas across their businesses 
and the bigger businesses have have many more areas that they want to invest in as well. You can't get away from the fact that if you want an investment in data and reporting analytics to be successful, it has to be driven from the top. It has to be the MD, the chief exec, they want to use this. They want to see better quality information on their desk every day so they understand if they are doing it, it will filter all the way through the organisation. If they're not doing it, it becomes harder to achieve. And it's quite interesting because... I've been in the situation where I've been advising people and they said, well, we don't need to see it every day because we just need to see it on a weekly or a monthly basis then we know we're in the right direction. And said, How can you afford that? Because the uh, discipline of very good executing is that you know where your game are all the time. Like a coach in basketball when always look every point as important every little win every day is important to understand where are we now so you have three quarters and you can score one two or three points so the, the discipline of actually knowing how many points do we need to be behind at half time half the months how many points can we afford to be behind so yes. there's actually known a basketball team that's one or two points behind at half time would actually win the game in the end because it gives them this you know energy in a way if you know that's an organization as well that's where you are and that's not only sales i'm talking about there's other indicators that create sales you know employee engagement whatever it is do you have enough produce to serve your customers when they come in exactly and so on? on a daily basis we are pushing out tens of thousands of reports from our systems to members of staff right across our customer base one particular client i can think of though does things slightly differently instead of just having a daily sales report we deliver a report to each general manager uh, across the estate and it gives them information on all areas of their business so sales sales against budget labor against the forecasted labor cost that they expect for that week table bookings and table bookings for the rest of the week things like nps scores feedback all areas of the business that goes out to each general manager every single day so if for example the general manager knows that he's already behind on sales he knows and and he can then work with the area manager to identify what they're going to do to improve things if he's already ahead of his budget on his labor cost then he knows he's not going to get to the end of the week and say oh that's a bit of a shame i missed budget this week oh well never mind we'll try and do better next week he's got all this information to hand and he can work with his area manager to try and make changes what then happens is that same report is sent to an area manager but it's aggregated at a different level because the area manager wants to see it for all of the restaurants that he looks after and this aggregation continues right the way through all of the different brands right the way up to the chief exec so it's effectively the same report just delivered at a different level of detail depending on who you are and what you need to know what you need to know so as the chief exec you're not going to get the detail if something in there isn't quite right you're probably not going to do the analysis yourself you're going to go and ask somebody else within that brand what's actually happening but that's been really really successful for them because they've been able to see on a day-by-day basis restaurant by restaurant how it's performing and therefore to determine what they need to do to change things, what levers they're going to pull to make sure they hit the, the target for the for the week. We look about the challenges now is that you almost need to invent yourself within a week sometimes, either yes. because of consumer demands changing or there's a new trend. So you need to turn that ship around quickly in your estate. So even having 10 doors or 20 as I have already, I know how long it takes to turn that ship around in the old days. But with you know data and the way you can share data now, I guess that you can do that much faster if you make sure that it's structured in the right way and come out to people in the right speed as well. And I, I guess we will see, I don't know how, how you see the market. You mentioned a bit in earlier, you see there's more you know new, new up-and-coming concept where they're focusing on less head office costs. I totally agree on that. You've seen 
McDonald's did that a couple of years ago where they actually streamlined the organization and starting putting tech in. And that was not only in finance, it was in all different areas of the business where they said, okay, we can optimize. And the only way we're going to optimize is to remove the people and bring the tech in because then we're going to be dependent on it and we're going to change behavior. So it's already happening this, you know, where you're restructuring your whole organization of being more agile and nimble. So do you see that the, as a sector that is very different than it looks today, the way it's structured and operated? Because Today, we have 15, 20% very large brand, and then the rest is independent and smaller operators. We say, we sit here in five years' time. How does the average operator operate? I think that there's been an awful lot of new tech companies formed over the last few years doing different things, some very niche solutions. I think we're going to see those becoming more and more prevalent for all sorts of different operators. I think agility is going to be hugely important to every operator. They're not fully embracing it quite yet. Lots of operators haven't got their heads around the ability to be able to give a data set to a member of staff and allow them to produce content that could be useful to them. So one of the real driving forces in the BI market at the moment is something called self-service. So the ability for us to build a data model based on the data that we've collected in the business and give it to our users and say, here you go, here is a data set. It's been built for you. We know the figures in it are correct. It's there for you to be able to help you get the answers that you need. So if they want to create a report, they can do it very quickly, very easily. They can just drag and drop the information they need onto a page. It will produce reports for them. That helps them answer the questions that they have. So that goes back to this agility and flexibility issue that the operators have. We want to know an answer to a question now. What we don't want to do is go and spend days trying to find the right data, trying to put something together in Excel to come up with an answer, only to have got the answer and then find that the problem has gone away. You know, we've got another problem that we're trying to address. And that's been the issue of the past. These self-service tools now allow us to answer questions really, really quickly. And these are user tools. You don't need to be a business analyst to use these tools you know they are simple and easy for people to use they use english words you don't have to understand databases and database structures all of that is simplified for you so i think in the future what we're going to see is more and more operators embracing these types of tools giving them to their their area managers maybe not general managers but people across their business to help them answer the questions that they've got but knowing that the answer they get is the right one. That's been the problem in the past, is that people across our business have extracted some data, put it into Excel, come up with some answers, but they may not have been the right answers because nobody's modelled the data or got the data in one right format. You know, the old adage that the BI industry talks about, about having one version of the truth. We were talking about that 20 years ago. It hasn't gone away. It'll never go away. We must have that. I guess it's also as complexity rise and more data you have, finding the one truth is even harder. And I, uh, hopefully tech will take care of the thinking for you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one version of the truth is I was talking to somebody last week, uh, an operator who said at one point in time, we had 14 different definitions of what net sales were, depending on who you talk to in the business. And it's like, how could you possibly have 14 how can you even have two yeah because if you report two one of them is wrong there's a bit like values clarifying what you mean when you pull out data yeah so So they started a an internal project to define actually how they calculate their kpis and he said it was long it was complex it was arduous but we got to the result and the result was amazing because the impact on the business was phenomenal because everybody is now using the same number and pulling in the same direction coming back to 
purpose yep. and direction. If you don't know which direction you're going in together, you're going to have very weird results. Yes. We've had many, many situations where we've started work on a project where we might be replacing reporting that's previously been done in Excel. And you come to the reconciliation part of the project where we're reconciling what we've built against their data set that's in Excel. And the numbers aren't right. They're different. And we're trying to work out why our numbers are wrong. It's not our numbers that were wrong. It's the numbers in the spreadsheet that are wrong. We see these hugely complex spreadsheets that get built, not just by hospitality businesses, but it's many industries still use Excel for a lot of reporting. Those spreadsheets become so complex, they're almost unmanageable. Yeah, and the little the error so, will the have little a massive error, impact. You don't see it, you can't find it, you don't really know it's there until you go and do a project like, like we do, and then all of a sudden you find that, that that problem is there. And it could be significant, sometimes it is. Sometimes there's a bit of egg on face. It's quite interesting, it's not too much to do with data, but I, many times, when we work with organization again, it's the shared language about things and the start from your purpose and direction of the wider business. Yeah. So why are we here? Where are we going? How are we conducting things in our business? And again, how do we actually, you know, understand, you know, shared language? And I can remember McDonald's over time, that was something one of the fascinating things was like a book of words, you know. This is what we mean with HBO. This is how we define customer service. So everything was defined down to the middle. And everybody have a shared language because when that word was said, you were thinking in, in the same paradigm. Yes. Which is so important. Again, it doesn't matter what data you have if you think differently about it. If you think customer service measurement is this and somebody else in the business think that, you're not going to get the results you want to do. No, exactly. We talk about having a governed library mm -hmm. of KPIs. So that governed library might have a metric in it called net sales. But then within that, as a user of that metric, I can see exactly how it's calculated. There can be a description of exactly what it means. So I know whether I'm actually using the right KPI for the report that I want to build. So somebody's actually written a description for me. As an end user, that's really powerful for me. I know I'm using the right metric or not. Or it might be like you say, customer service. How do we measure customer service? What are KPIs? I could see those and I can make sure I pick the right ones. We're moving more into this place where we want to give data to end users, but we want to give it to them in a controlled fashion. We don't just want to give them massive exports of data and say, there you go, have a crack at that, see what you can do. Mm. We want to give it to them in a controlled way. That's where the tools are are focusing at the, at the moment. What is the biggest trend operators in hospitality and restaurant need to embrace over the next two to three years to get ahead of the curve or be on the wave instead of under it when it comes to data? The one thing that really surprises me when I talk to operators is there is still a massive focus on what we would call the finance or the operational numbers, you know, sales and labor and that type of area. There are very few operators saying, I want to look at my customers, I've got a loyalty scheme or I've got feedback data or I've got a CRM system. I want to look at that. I want to bring all of that data together. I want to look at a view of my customers. I want to look at individual customers. I want to build cohorts of customers. I want to target different customers in different ways and have individually named customers. And I think that's an area where hospitality is way behind retail. And I think that is an area that a lot of operators could benefit from significantly. You still need to combine it. If we can combine it with the sales data, if I could look at individual customers and look at when they visit our restaurants, how much they spend, what they spend their money on, how many covers there are when they come in, what their individual spend per head is, how that spend per head is changing. We talk about a metric called RFM, so recency, frequency and money. How is that changing over time? That affects how we market to those people. I think there's a real opportunity 
for operators to look at that type of data. It's not easy, but I think it has great value. And I think it's a great opportunity to get some real value out of that that sort of data. And there are lots and lots of different data sets that we could look at. Yeah, and you would say it would be obvious to look at those, you know, more soft data as customers and employees because they actually drives your your results or your profit, yeah. your P&L. Yeah, absolutely. If we know who our fans are, who love us. And what they actually appreciate about coming. And what are they like? And what, what don't they like? And what can we do? And, and can we use that to drive additional sales? And then we can um, start building training programs to actually in, you know, empower that behavior yeah. in the organization and culture. We did a project a few years ago with a company called Top Golf. They're not particularly large in the UK, much, much bigger now in the US. But we looked at marketing data for them and the results were phenomenal. We were looking at individual players when they came in to play the Top Golf game what they were doing, how often they were coming in, how much money they were spending. The marketing then allowed them to say, right, we're going to put on a a special evening just for ladies to come and have a free session with a professional. We're going to have a professional here who can help the ladies. So we want just ladies. We're going to target them because we've got their email address. We want them to have a handicap of less than 15. We're going to invite them to come in and, and play a game with us with a professional. So we want to make sure we're just targeting the right people. Don't send it to men because they'll probably just unscribe from your emails. They had all of these different campaigns that they ran and they were really successful because they were highly targeted. Again, coming back to the silver bullet instead of firing cannonballs. Exactly, exactly. And so those ladies, once they played, would probably go to the bar. You drive incremental sales because you've targeted them with something that they want. They come in and then they might buy some more games before they leave. Your whole F&B offer could be fitted into that situation that yep. evening that you actually are very aware there's a special menu or something like that. And then exactly. that, that's where you drive extra sales. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's one of the things you need, uh, operators need to get on top of. Uh, I, I think the, there's an opportunity for yeah. operators there. You've been running your business now for almost 20 years. Isn't yes. That, right? uh, you passed many milestones where businesses failed. So uh, where did you get your inspiration from keep going, embracing the, the data journey? This might sound a bit sad, yeah. but I find it quite exciting. I find data exciting. I think the things that you can do with data to see the the results that we get from some of our clients when you deliver a project, you see the value that it that it drives and the impact that it has on their business. That's really exciting. That's really drives me to want to do more for them and to help them more and use the technology and to do more with it. And I think, as I said earlier, we're limited only by our imagination because of the the thing that we are offering. We're not selling a packaged solution that only does one thing. We're selling effectively a tool set. And the question is, what do you want to do with it? What's your problem? So my my question to my customers and my prospective customers are going to sit with them is, what's on your mind? What's the challenge for you? What do you want to address? If I could solve a problem for you, what would that problem be? And it varies from customer to customer. So it could be one opportunity we're working on at the moment is trying to work out what products should be manufactured based on previous sales. So individual SKUs, individual stores, how many do we need to put in the store in the next day or two's time? What do we order? What do we what do we manufacture? So that's one challenge. We're working on a CRM project for another client. We're talking about getting integration with their contact center. So when a customer rings up, the customer record automatically pops up in front of the operator. So they can say, hey, Michael, nice to talk to you again today. Would you like to book your normal table? Do you want me to pre-order your steak for you? Because I know you particularly like that. That's where I get my inspiration from. 
is these very different sorts of projects that we can we find ourselves getting involved in. Yeah, and for people out there that thought that that was a bit, you know, even numb saying data, he got really excited. So, <laughs> so, so he is, there is a his hero. We always ask people to give like one advice to leaders out there. What would your advice be from you know, where we are now and what should they go and do? You can take the data spin on, but it could be something else as well. Well, I suppose from a data point of view, I would say try it. I would say talk to somebody and try things with your data. You may be very surprised at the results that you get. I heard somebody say a long time ago, particularly when you're dealing with EPOS data, there's a load of noise in that data. You've got to get rid of the noise to find the opportunities. And if you're a multi-site operator, you've got shed loads of data. You've got to get rid of the noise and find the opportunities. So I would say try it. Try something and just focus on one thing. Don't try and do too many things at the same time. Try one thing and see what results you get. That would be my advice from a data point of view. Good. Thank you very much, Simon. Hopefully we're going to touch base soon again because I think data is here to stay in a way. So we'll probably have a conversation within the next couple of years on the podcast again where the world have changed dramatically and the, the industry and, and so on. So, uh, so looking forward to, to get you involved in the near future because I think as well you say data is here to stay and data is as king as cash is yep. I guess I believe it is I believe it's there for all of us to take advantage of and it's just whether or not we choose to do it and, and how much we choose to do with it but it's here to say we're only going to gather more and more and more data thank you for coming Simon thank you very much Thank you so much, Simon, for sharing your thoughts and ideas and advice with us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, review, share, or even better, let us know what you think. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your ongoing assistance. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingsam. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us or sign up to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.